You're listening to Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church of Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net. And thanks for joining us. Yes, we are together here again. Songs of Christmas is what we're about. And we're going to take a look at Zechariah this morning. Actually, a relook because a couple weeks ago, Tom took us through the first part of the story. I'll have to recap a bit of that. But what I want to do here is actually start with something different. I want to introduce you to people. I need to see the thing back there. Thank you. The, uh, any of you know these folk? This is Myrna and Stephen. Myrna is a Nigerian student at Western Seminary where I teach. Uh, she's a counseling student trying to graduate. And Stephen is her Kenyan husband. And I got to see a piece of their wedding, pure African wedding. It was amazing in Africa. And this is, the little guy there is Tendo. He's got like four names. And I got to be a, one of the folk there praying blessing over Tendo here recently, and I just, you know, it's such a great, and this is our pastor, Ibrahim, and uh, this is Myrna's mom. She came from Nigeria to be a help in this, and it just, it was a great celebration. Of course, there's food and all kinds of stuff. Are Stephen and Myrna here this morning? They said they might come. I don't see them. Okay. Uh, And so we're praying over them, and this is, uh, you can see, if you look at the picture, you can see that Myrna is crying. As mom is playing and reading scripture and playing blessing on little Tendo. And then she began to pray. And you see Stephen's response. To put little Tendo up and kiss his son. It was an amazing time to be there. And then Myrna played blessing over Tendo. The thing that made this most unique is that Myrna had a surgical procedure to deal with endometriosis, which is an inflammation in the womb and in these, the tubes that connect the ovaries down. And not only she had endometriosis, she's got a polycystic, so her ovaries are full of cysts, a couple other things. And when they get done with the surgery, the doctor said, I'm so sorry. There was no possibility of cleaning out your tubes. You will never be able to have children, ever. This is a veteran doctor who knows what he's doing. This is hard news for Myrna and Stephen, as you might imagine, to find out that they would not be able to have children. And there were some further procedures, but basically they were done. They'd done everything they could do. There was no further surgeries possible. So they prayed. Because they wanted God's presence. They didn't know what they were going to do. They were beginning to talk about adoption. And then a year ago, she missed a period. She had an old pregnancy test kit, and it came out positive. She called the doctor. And the doctor said, oh, no. You have an ectopic pregnancy. It will kill you. 
you must get down here. You must get that out right now. Because that baby grows in, you, in your tubes, it will kill you and the baby. You need to get down here immediately. So I went and did an ultrasound. And the tech doing the ultrasound looked at the thing and she said, that baby's not in the tubes. That baby's in the womb. Yeah. Now, this doctor, I don't know his name, but this is a guy who's got 41 years of experience. He's not a neophyte. He knows what he's talking about. And God said to Stephen and Myrna, I want you to have a baby. Now, it was a difficult delivery. Caesarean section, some infections, but we got to be there for this naming ceremony. And you really can't tell it here, but both Myrna and Stephen are sobbing. And then Stephen took little Tendo to dedicate him to the Lord, and he couldn't stop crying. With the incredible joy that a Veteran doctor, not a believer at all, had to say, yeah, I guess it was a what? Miracle. <laughs> yes, we all say. And we got to celebrate this. It, this was, it wasn't a naming ceremony. It was a blessing and a dedication ceremony. But that's what we're talking about the context of Zachariah and Elizabeth. Similar kind of thing, except they didn't have medical stuff in those days. They just knew that it wouldn't work. Stephen and Myrna she hopes to graduate. They had to put some stuff on hold because the baby and go back to Nigeria and be a, uh, maybe go Kenya. They're not sure yet. But faith to the Lord, and God can do miracles then and now. So we look together here at Luke chapter 1. This is what Tom did a couple weeks ago. I'll just recount, recap this. In the time of Herod, the king of Judah, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to priesthood of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was a descendant of Aaron. So you've got these two people here, Zechariah, Elizabeth, husband and wife. Both of them are righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and decrees blamelessly. Now, I know people say, oh, you can't keep the law. Of course you can. Of course you can. Of course you can. The righteous remnant is blameless and righteous, just like we should be today. But the thing it is, despite all of that, they are childless. Not able to conceive, and both very old, hopeless. So a faithful priest, righteous, blameless, childless into old age. And we find down in verse 23 that they're disgraced because of not being able to have children. Because that is a disgrace in the society. And still praying. Because Gabriel shows up, he says, the Lord has answered your prayers. Hopeless and praying. 
like Stephen and Myrna and their family. And so is hangers-on like me. This way the nativity story does it. I clipped out a few scenes from it. Zechariah coming up to do the service in the temple. It only do once his life, and he would go into the holy place to the incense altar, and there on the incense altar, he would put incense on that old altar as an act of worship, and he had been selected to do that. And there, and he's faithful. It's an incredible privilege to be able to do this. And as he's putting incense on that altar, and it's there in front of the curtain leading into the Holy of Holies, Angel Gabriel shows up and said, you're going to have a baby. And describes what he'll be, an incredible baby. And Zachariah is stunned, overwhelmed. No, we're old. Gabriel didn't take that real well. And, well, this way it works out. Zacharias angel, how can I, I'm an old man, my wife is well long in years. The angel said, I am Gabriel. <laughs> I stand in the presence of God, I've been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news, and since you will be silent, not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at the appointed time. Gabriel says this, and Zechariah, and I get it. I get it. They've been trying and hoping and praying for a long time. Credulous at the impossible prophecy. You can't have a baby. And he is silenced. As you read the rest of the story, it's not only he can't speak, he can't hear. Because they have to make signs to him. Down in the song later on, he is silenced both directions. Because Gabriel is going to do the talking now. Now, we skip a whole bunch of stuff that you've been getting preached at on. Verse 57, the story picks up again. When it's time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard the Lord had shown her great mercy, and they shared her joy. That's what you do when you're a godly person. You share the hard times, and you share the joy times. Joyful and mercy of the miraculous conception, but also joyful mercy at the successful birth. Because he had it not been for skilled doctors, Myrna would have died. The C-section was necessary to deliver a tendo. They probably would both have died. They didn't have C-sections in those days. So successful birth was a great accomplishment. And this is the way that in the nativity story, she just can't stop laughing and crying. And that's Mary in the background there with her little baby. Sharing your joy. And the eighth day came for circumcision. They're going to name him after Zechariah because that's what you do. You name a son after one of the people in your family. And they said, well, Zechariah, he's a righteous man. Let's make him Zechariah. And she said, No. He's to be called John. And again, in the nativity story, she picks up the baby and he shall be called John. And one of the people in the room said, wait, 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 no, 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 no. There's nobody in your family named John. That would be an insult to your family. You don't do that. There's no one of your relatives with that name. Don't insult your family. 
And they made signs to his father to find out what he would name the child because he's clearly going to collect, correct his rebellious and insulting wife. Well, he has a writing tablet. And everyone's astonishment. Remember, he can't hear. His name is John. And this way, the nativity story pictures it. Sitting and writing on a tablet, and he holds it up. And as he holds it up, the tablet says, his name is John. Immediately, his mouth is open and his tongue is set free and he begins to speak. And the first thing he speaks is praise to God. The first thing that comes out of his mouth is praise to God. And this way the nativity story puts it. As he begins to speak, Zechariah is calling out praise to God. And Elizabeth comes to him and they're rejoicing together in the miracle of God. Incredible. Incredible. He's slow to believe. And I get it. My son Don, Susan, his wife, similar thing with Myrna. Cystic fibrosis in her ovaries, no children. I was back there 17 years ago for my annual football game with Don. And I was leaving on Monday morning. Liz, Susan was mortally ill and they could not find out what was wrong with her. Ran all kinds of tests. Why is she dying? Her cousin, her aunt actually, is a doctor. She looked at Susan. She was visiting down from Iowa there in Kansas City. And she said, you know, if I didn't know better, I'd say you're pregnant. But you can't be pregnant. We know that. It's not possible. She got her, it's like Myrna. She got her old pregnancy and tested vague, called Don, get her pregnancy test on the way home from work. She did, came positive. I got a call on Wednesday. Dad? Yeah, what's up, son? We're pregnant. And I heard a dot, dot, dot. Yeah? We're 36 weeks pregnant. <laughs> no, it turned out she was 39 weeks pregnant. She never, ever felt little girl of Brashear's move. Even with the ultrasound saying the baby is moving right now, she could not feel little girl of Brashear's move. Ten days later, they were in getting a more precise ultrasound. They discovered fetal distress. Kicked Don out, prepared for emergency C-section. Don called me, and we had the best father-son of our entire relationship. We've got a strong relationship. And he went back in the room, and they did the C-section. Little girl brochures came out, and she was blue because she had aspirated meconium in the womb. Fecal material coating her lungs. Got a call from Don as he's in the hospital, in the ambulance, following the ambulance from Shawnee Mission down to Children's Mercy there in Kansas City. Fifteen seconds into the phone call, I was on the computer getting a plane ticket for Sherry to go back. Little girl Brashears now is 16 years old, and I just took her to Paris this summer. God does miracles. God does miracles. And what we do is we praise God. 
Because that little girl, Brashears, is now a beautiful 16-year-old, brilliant girl, and she's at, well, she might be out of church now there in Kansas City. I was at her baptism a couple weeks, a couple years ago. Slow to believe, yes, but then believing deeply. See, Mary is much quicker in response. Zachariah is slower, but the outcome is the same. There's different ways to get there. Now, the quicker is better. But you see what happens there? Silence is turned to singing. And he is singing, thankful for the Lord's faithful mercy. And I want to share another thing with you. you many of you know Bonnie Knopf. And her new song is out. It is perfect. I love it. Thank you, Bonnie. Thank you so much. That she can walk is another miracle. With the cancer raging in her body, stopped by chemo and such. But thank you for walking. Thank you for such a beautiful song. Phil Kage on guitar, perhaps the best guitar player ever and a staunch Christian. I can't wait for the rest of the album. When's it coming out? Hopefully February, March. February, March. Okay. Let's do January. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. You can hear that song on her Facebook page and other places. It's just incredible. Just incredible. Just incredible. Thankful. In the midst of cancer, in the midst of childlessness, whatever it is. Everyone who had Neighbors are filled with awe throughout the hill country of Judea. People were talking about these things. Everyone heard they wondered about it. What is this child going to be? The Lord's hand is with me. His father, Zachariah, filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. And what we have here is now called the Benedictus. It's the first word of this thing in Latin. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel. So it would be Baruch Adonai in Hebrew. Elohim Yasrael. Because he has come to his people and redeemed them, he's raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. As he said through his holy prophets of long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. I can unpack this. All the scripture allusions are as amazing. Nine months, this man, or a year, this man's been meditating deeply in scripture. This is David Turner's outline here, and all souls lying in place, England. Light of freedom to those living in darkness. Because that's what Messiah does. That's the one that John is going to point to. Because she got a child, but that child turned out to be the forerunner of a Messiah promised in the Old Testament. And the first part of the Benedictus is talking about the freedom from all the different kinds of darkness that he'll tell about. He goes on. To show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant on oath, he swore with our father Abraham 2,000 years earlier. Long wait. To rescue us from the hand of our enemies, to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness. There's that phrase again. See, the expectation is by the power of the Holy Spirit and by our walking in step with him, we can be righteous and blameless. To serve him all of our days. And you, my child, he's singing over little John, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare the way for him to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of sins. That applies to us as well. And he goes on. 
because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. I'd love to unpack that whole thing. But the point here, the light of life, which Bonnie's saying so well about, for those under the shadow of death. Last week I was in Austin, Texas. My niece, Rochelle, and her husband, Mike, their oldest son, Connor, Eagle Scout Academy, Quantico Marine Training, Pensacola Flight Training, Station Corpus Christi driving home for Thanksgiving, head on car crash and was killed. Didn't make it home for Thanksgiving. Sharon and I flew down for the memorial service a week ago yesterday. Life is never a certainty. Not at the beginning, not at its end. And we gathered together as family and we laughed and cried because the light of life for those under the shadow of death texting with her shell this morning they'll live without their older son Mike gave the eulogy at the funeral he told me before I began said this is the hardest thing I've ever done I said I'm not sure that's true there'll be harder things yet probably but see, the thing is, when you live with the light of Jesus, there's light even in the place of death. There's the light of leadership for those without direction. We're so desperate today to find meaning for our lives, direction to what to do, and the despair and the anxiety and the hopelessness that's rife in our culture. Jesus comes to say, I'll show you what to do. I'll show you how to live. I'll live it, and I'll live in the most hellish possible ways. And I'll show you how to have joy. Remember, both of these babies, John and Jesus, are both going to be murdered by the authorities. Yet that's the plan of God being worked out for our salvation, for our leadership. For us who are Jesus followers or those who are thinking about being that, which I hope that's the case, how do you deal with disappointment? How do you deal with disappointment? Disappointment when Connor doesn't get home. Riley, his not yet fiancé, but they were headed that direction, discovering that the love of her life would not make it home. How do you deal with disappointment? Well, part of it is we realize that this world is where Satan is prince. We don't expect things to go well. And see, part of the disappointment comes because we somehow expect things to go well. And when it doesn't go well, we figure that God has abandoned us or we've done something to screw it up or, yeah, you know. No, no. This is Satan's world where Jesus has come in to bring the light of life in the, from darkness and freedom from enemies into this place. And he's called us to share in that mission. And a lot of disappointment is because our expectations are wrong. The other thing is disappointment is we figure, well, God's given up and he's gone on vacation just when you needed him most. And the thing of it is, there's hope, and we did the candle of hope this morning. Thank you, Grimes family. That was amazing. I love those little girls singing. I get to hear it again. Yes. This is what hope is. 
the active, confident expectation of what goes in that blank. What goes in that blank? The active, confident expectation of what? Good. Why? Because you know the character of God. And see, the thing is here, the thing is here, in the worst hellish place of greatest disaster Connor killed on the way home, God is still at work. As we finished there at Mike and Rochelle's home there in Austin, Spicewood actually, just outside Austin, and we stood in a circle and I led the group in prayer and we cried again together and hugged family sharing the joy of Jesus in the midst of an awful situation. There's hope. There's hope as we join in his mission. So we define life not in terms of power and the ability to take control, because life isn't about accumulating power. Life is about using power to serve the worthless to me person. That's what Jesus showed us. And it's not that we have control. It's that we share control by joining God's mission and living in community. And we define it in terms of following the one who is in control. See, if I try to be captain of my own ship and do things that, according to my perceptions, that's the definition of sin. Because stuff seems right to me, and when I follow my perception versus God's direction, that's the heart of sin. That's what Eve did in the garden. She said, well, that tree looks fine to me, and it'll help me grow up, and I can be a, a good, mature woman. So she did what God told her not to do. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Fear the Lord, lead not unto thine own understanding. What does that mean? Follow God's direction for life. Lean not to my perception because I'm so limited. And when I follow God's way, I realize he is at work in this world. And I get to be a piece of that. It's incredible. But it's easy to miss God because pain screams and God whispers in gentle silence. And when there's silence, and there are absolutely times when God is silent, absolutely, Psalm 13, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? David sings. But he finished that song, I will rejoice in your faithfulness, your chesed. I will take joy in your Yeshua, your salvation. At the same time, we lament the loss. We protest the wrongness of it. And we praise God for his goodness in the midst of it. See, at the same time, that's what I did last Monday morning, six days ago. As we stood in that circle there in Mike and Rochelle's house there, lamented that Connor will never come home. We protested the wrongness that this incredible 25-year-old man, 25 years, two months, seven days, is gone. That's wrong. And we praised the goodness of God who brings relationship and depth of family relationship in the midst of that. God does good things in the most horrible times. So we sing praise to him. But we also lament 
and protest. This book, J. Kim, pastor of Westgate Church down in San Jose, good friend, Listen, Listen, Speak. It's coming out in March. Yours coming out in January, right? Yeah, okay. I mean, stuff in the spring. I read this book in, in draft, wrote an endorsement for it. Listen, listen, speak. J. Kim is talking about how to listen to God in a noisy world. It's epic. It's epic. Put it on your reading list. Come out in March. Here's the thing. God's desire for all of us is to bring salvation, mercy, and forgiveness. That is his desire for every single human being, no matter how good, no matter how evil. His desire is that. He delights in forgiving. His desire is to bring salvation and redemption. But those gifts will only come, only come to those who will do three things. First of all, admit the need. And see, when I control my own life, then I don't admit need. I need you, God. It takes a certain humility to actually do that. It also says that we have to repent of both self-control and victimhood. See, self-control is when, well, I'm Gary Bashir's. I'll run my life. Thank you. Get out of my way. Enneagram 8, me. High D on the disc, all that kind of stuff. See, and that's where I tend to go, is I'll run my own life. Thank you. But that self-control pushes God away. I did that for four years. 14-year-old snarky little brat who asked some questions at church and got bad answers and rejected Christianity. I thought I was rejecting Christianity. I was actually rejecting fundamentalism. I just didn't know the difference. And for the next four and a half years, I tried to live in self-control and begin to spiral down into despair. I don't know if it would have killed myself. I had no way to know. I was headed that direction. And then God spoke quietly in my life through Kathy Thompson, new pastor's daughter, a year younger than I, who engaged with my questions as best she could, turned me over to her dad, who turned me over to C.S. Lewis, mere Christianity. I thought, gosh, this is brilliant wrestling. And then one night on Rio Grande Boulevard, driving a little two-seater sports car about one o'clock in the morning, God spoke, and I gave up the self-control. Okay, God, let's, I'll join your team. I thought he was doing me a favor. I didn't know any better at that point. <laughs> what can I say? But the other thing is victimhood. There's nothing I can do. I'm helpless. I'm screwed. No, no. You're a responsible angel of God, human being. You can make decisions. You may need help to do it. But victimhood is just as bad as self-control. That in between says I'm a child of God. Or if you're not a child of God yet, you can become that by accepting his gift. Receive God's forgiveness, his honor, and his healing. Why is that door open back there? Baptism. baptism. What's Baptism. Baptism is when you show by your physical actions a status of your heart that says, I will receive, God, your forgiveness, your honor, and your healing. 
instead of my guilt, my shame, and my dirtiness. And so you need to do this right now. Worship team, you want to come up here. I'm about to line this plane. So you need to do the baptism. You say, well, I didn't bring anything with me. We got you covered. We got clothes, towels, all that kind of stuff. Jay's over there. You can talk to him. And Sarah's over there. You can talk to her. Talk to both of them if you want. They're nice people. But so you probably should be baptized this morning. It's time for you to say, yes, God, I need your help. Because I don't have a baby. I don't have a whatever it is. Because you see what happened, and this is crucial, I think, as we think this thing. Christ was born in Bethlehem. He was 2,000 years ago, a little more than that. But he's got to be born in us. And that's the question. Some of you are here, and you're still checking out this Jesus thing. Today would be a great, great day to accept his forgiveness, his honor, and his healing which is a free gift to give to you simply by saying, God, I need it. So you've been following Jesus a long time, and you're righteous and blameless. But see, like Zechariah, you still screw it up from time to time. You need some help to take that next step, if you'll admit that and receive it. Songs of Christmas. Didn't Tony do a great job leading us? Thank you, Tony. That's... And uh, we do everything by team around here. I mean, everything by team. Is she a rascal or what? Is she a rascal or what? Come on. So fun. Yes. Yeah, I love it. Bonnie, thank you. A lifetime of making beautiful music and praising God and doing it in the midst of the difficulties of cancer. What a hero. And Greg, keep on being the great husband. Another hero, Kendra. I'm going to pick on you. She's a single mom, and she's here this morning with her little guy. Early, 6 o'clock? Yeah. 6 o'clock, which says not only she gets up. What's your little guy's name? Oh, gosh, early. Early, yeah. <laughs> and she's here. She's down here this morning getting his shoes on and getting him ready to go. And he are leading us to sing. Thank you for who you are. Thank you so much. Yeah, rest of you guys. Yeah, you're back there in the dark, too. <laughs> See, and that's the thing. We celebrate the goodness. And we share the joy. Because we're part of the Jesus team. And we cry like crazy for stuff that, man, we got through some hard stuff. Right now, Stephen and Myrna, their apartment flooded. They're out. And they're international students. They have no place to go and no money. I talked to them yesterday, talked to Myrna, David Lauren Piper, similar story, apartment flooded, David and Myrna said, or David and Lauren said, we got a big house God gave us, come live with us, see that's the thing, in hard times you step up and help, that's called being righteous, because righteousness is about seeing need and asking how I can meet it, seeing joy and say how can I share it? It's not checking off a list of commandments. It's seeing the possibilities and say, by God's grace, I can do that. And when you do that, that's righteous and blameless. There are prayer teams off on the sides. So you need to pray. And so you need to share joy and share sorrow. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that you're the one who cares deeply, compassionately, graciously 
faithfully, lovingly, that you love to forgive. But we have to see our need. And I pray those here today, will you, Holy Spirit, show us the need where we need to give up self-control or step out of victimhood and become human beings, partnering with you to bring joy into hard places, life into the place of death, leadership into the place of directionless. We will celebrate you good in the land of the living, and especially in this Advent season, because we do it in the name of our risen Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Go change the world. That's you guys. Go change the world, okay? Yeah. Thank you for joining us for Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church here in Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net.